Welcome to Batty to Batty, a monthly podcast by For the Breast of Us, the first breast cancer community for all women of color, where we share real-life experiences, information, and education to help you live your best life after a breast cancer diagnosis. My name is Cynthia, and I am a breast cancer fatty ambassador from Houston, Texas, but I'm originally and always will be a Cali girl. girl. I was diagnosed with stage 2 invasive ductal carcinoma in 2018, and I'm currently going through hormone therapy for the next few years. I am also a proud Bayesian woman and a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Good evening, ladies. How are you? Good. Oh, good. good. <laughs> well, good. I am Cynthia, a breast cancer thriver and a proud Bayesian baddie. And I am here with my baddie ambassador sisters, Shoni and Yahira, and a few uh, West Indian thrivers in the community. And we're so excited to chat with you tonight. June is Caribbean Heritage Month, and we want to hear from you. But we've got a large group, so let's start with some brief introductions. Shawnee, why don't you kick us off? Okay, so my name is Shawnee. I uh, was diagnosed with um, stage 2B inductive, inductive, excuse me, (laughs) carcinoma and DCIS in 2016. I will be a six-year thriver coming September. Nice. Congrats. <laughs> wow. I want to call myself a Caribbean mutt because my background, my dad is from Aruba, St. Vincent from Curacao. So I'm just really all over the place, but they really do tr- traditionally just say that most of them are Rubians. So that's where I'm from. And my mom is a Native American Indian and a Black American. Well, great. Yahira, you want to go next? Hi, I'm Yahira. Um, like they said, I'm a baddie ambassador, a mother of three boys, um, a Pride Retreat founder. I was diagnosed with breast cancer September 2020 at the age of 31, invasive um, ductal carcinoma as well. Um, I went through the whole nine double mastectomy, radiation, and I was born and raised in Massachusetts, but my family and I are Puerto Ricans. Whippa! <laughs> Whippa! <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Um, uh, Melissa, you want to go next? Sure. My name is Melissa Alvajortes, and I live in Brooklyn, New York, my whole life. Whoop, whoop. Brooklyn in half. Oh, yeah, for real. And um, I lived all over Brooklyn. I was diagnosed with um, non-invasive ductal carcinoma stage one last June. It's been a year. Um, it's been a roller coaster year. And um, I'm Puerto Rican. My mother, both my parents are from Puerto Rico. 
Uh, they were both born and raised there. So I'm first generation stateside and um, I'm a proud black Puerto Rican woman. So I straddle the fence there. I grew mm -hmm. up in an Italian Jewish community and, and uh, I checked all the boxes <laughs> and that's it. Thank you so much. Uh, Mila, you wanna go next? Sure. Hi, I'm Mila and I'm a stage two invasive ductal carcinoma uh, with lymph node involvement survivor. That's always a mouthful to say. <laughs> um, ERPR positive. And right now I currently live in New Jersey, uh, but by way of Brooklyn, New York, by way of Florida, and originally <laughs> from the sun-drenched land of steel pan and calypso. <laughs> the I, I best hear drums coming. I know the best carnival in the world. We host the island of Trinidad and Tobago, and I can share more later on. <laughs> Great, love it. And it's Sandrea. Yes, yes. Hi, everyone. I am Sandrea. Um, I was first diagnosed with stage two IDC in January 2018, and tri triple negative, and. And then I was recently diagnosed with metastatic triple negative cancer. So uh, that happened June of 2021. So this is my uh, metastatic anniversary. I've been doing this for a year. Um, my cultural heritage, I am from the most wonderful Jamaica West Indies. <laughs> a proud, proud, proud Jamaican lover of ackee and saltfish and uh, breadfruit and sorrow and all that wonderful stuff. Say it again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And certainly last but not least, the lady, the myth, the legend, Miss Trish. <laughs> Thank you, sis. My name is Trish. Um, born in Brooklyn. I feel like there's a strong Brooklyn BK rep around here today. <laughs> um, I'm first gen. My parents, my heritage, I claim, I, I'm proud, Aïtien, sac passé. That wasn't always the case, and we can always get into that too. Um, but now, I can't nobody tell me nothing about my IET and not hear it, okay? <laughs> um, <laughs> I was initially diagnosed stage one IDC, hormone positive in 2016, and then post-surgery, they upstaged me to stage three. And as a result of that, I did it all. Chemo, radiation, uh, everything, surgeries, oophorectomies, and now I'm just navigating survivorship the best I can. You know, every day is a struggle, but also every day is a gift. And so I'm happy to be here today. I am so glad to have you all here with us. I'm so excited to have this conversation and to be here with uh, my sisters in the community, um, but my West Indian sisters too. So this is exciting. Um, I'm gonna kick it off. And um, again, this is a casual, um, authentic, raw podcast. Say what you like, feel comfortable, and anybody can jump in. So I'm gonna kick it off with this first question. How do you feel that of course your Caribbean heritage impacted your breast cancer journey? Anybody, jump on in. 
I mean, I that's a loaded that. question right there, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where do I start? Um, <laughs> I, I would say, let me start by saying my Caribbean heritage, how it impacted my journey. Ooh. Um, first and foremost, in just hearing the, the news and the diagnosis, I started to think about my family history. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to know more about my family history. And that unpacked a lot of issues, I would say, Mm -hmm. within myself and within my family. I still found it difficult to find out information from my my parents, my grandparents, because no one really talked about chronic illness or fatal illness. Um, So I had a lot of digging to do. I I still don't think I have all the answers. my family doesn't have all the answers because they've kept things to themselves so much. Um, and I'm now dealing with how much do I share as a result of that, right? Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's a growth process. process. It's, it's an unpacking process. It's, a, it's almost like it's a therapeutic process. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I'm just trying to, to navigate it all. But there's a lot more I could say, but I'll just start there and, and anyone else can jump in. But that's the first thing that the diagnosis itself unlocked for me. This, the secrets, the non-sharing and wanting to find out more about your own pathology, genealogy and, and family line. Absolutely. I agree. Mm-hmm. I yeah. For myself, um, I feel like because, like I told you guys, I'm I'm, I'm pretty much a mutt, <laughs> not in a bad way, but because my family comes from so many different places, I'm getting the we don't know what anybody had over here, and we don't know what happened over here, and I said, well, then how do you know what's happening here? How do I know? <laughs> where this came from or like because beyond to be honest i don't have any mutations so i was actually even talking to someone earlier today and i said you know a lot of people don't know why they got cancer and then you think to yourself is it something generational like was it something that we culturally do or we eat or has gone through our family that we don't know the products that we've used because this is uh you know obviously we're all women of color that use different things in our hair. We've eaten different types of foods. It's just in our culture that we are not the same as the average white woman that is not eating the same things. Also not living in the same neighborhoods. Right. But then again, I think, I kind of think if we were lived in, in we're back in our some of our countries, we may not have had so many <laughs> issues because we would have all those toxins, but we're not going to go there yet. So, <laughs> I, I have a mutation and I don't know where I got it from. My family's so like, my mom refuses to get herself tested. She's done like one of those like 21 in me and it like didn't show up. So, but I'm like, I'm like, go to the hospital and do it. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, pushing them to do something and then my father's not in my life and then I'll, I reached out to like my my sisters that are part of his like 
his life still and they're like no cancer doesn't run on our side only diabetes like you know what i mean like they don't even make sense like none of the things they say make sense and uh like my grandparents had my grandma had cancer i don't even know what type of cancer it's just like it's it's very weird like how we like people like the caribbeans because we're all we just don't tell each other things at all like i it boggles me and i try to be different with my kids i'm very i'm very open <laughs> with my kids about everything and yeah. i do genealogy too and what i find is one part of it is someone can be in the same house with you and i'll tell that story later and not tell you they have cancer oh the other boy. is as i do genealogy and i'm sure it's same for all of the islands in barbados a lot of people didn't get married generations and generations back. So like on my grandmother's birth certificate, she's got a mother. The informant was her father, but he's not in the father's spot. They weren't married. Mm. And I have one tree on my grandfather's mother's side that goes back like four generations of women and there are no fathers identified for any of it. I. So you can imagine that even if you can put a name and you can ask questions, if they'll tell you, there is just so many question marks on the tree that you can't put together a full a full picture if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. For me, I found out that it's a Sandrea. I found out that I actually have a mutation on my father's side of the family, a PAL B two mutation. Mm-hmm. So that's where my cancer comes from, from my father's side. Um, and since my diagnosis, I had a great great aunt who was diagnosed first, she was the first, and then it was me. And then my aunt recently um, was diagnosed with cancer and and went through the treatment and the whole thing. So it's strictly on my dad's side of the family um, and I'm not really in contact with him very much anymore. Um, In fact, when I got diagnosed, he told me that cancer didn't exist and that I was, uh, if he ever had cancer, that he would never treat it because, you know, if you're going to get something, you're supposed to get it. That's the kind of dad I was dealing with. So you can see that things didn't work out too well on that front. So, Sandra, you're going to laugh when I, when I got diagnosed, right? Like my first thing was sitting down with only my most immediate family i have mm-hmm. my my mother has 13 aunts 13 brothers and sisters Ooh. and then my dad is the only child wow. right and his siblings are adopted foster kids mm-hmm. but anyway my his response to me as soon as i told him was well i'm really surprised you have my immune system and i'm really surprised <laughs> that you it's like Okay, dad, whatever that means. As if the immune system he's has like anything 75. to do with anything. Thank you. And he's like 75 years old and still like whistling that, that pipe. I'm like, all right, dude, like whatever. But my, my, my family, like not going backwards because backwards is too deep. Like it's, you know, in, in the immediate family, you know, my mother, her mom, like nobody really had it. Right. But then after I got diagnosed and once I did that initial closest inner circle, then I started talking to the rest of my family 
And one of my cousins got diagnosed after I did, and she ended up having stage two and a mastectomy, and I'm having to have a mastectomy. And then one of my other 7,500 cousins, we found out <laughs> later <laughs> that she, before I got diagnosed, she had a double mastectomy. I haven't seen her in like 20 years. And I'm like, chick, like you wouldn't share that information with the rest of, with the rest of your 10,000 cousins. Like there's so many of us, you know? And then I had a third cousin who she has something else the matter with her. And when I reached out to her, cause once me and my, uh, well, I don't want to say her name, but once me and my, my first cousin that got diagnosed found out, we thought it was important that we, you know, sound the alarm for all the mm -hmm. other cousins because we were all the old, the first, the first wow. daughters of that generation. We were all, so we said, let's call everybody and make sure, right? Mm -hmm. Call one of the oldest daughters. And she says, well, listen, I already have so much stuff going on with me. I don't want to know whether or not I have it. The doctors already said this, there's, there's something there and I don't want to find out. She shut me off on social media. Wow. Oh answer a call she she's done and i was like wow and it's because i'm so i feel like it's because i'm so outspoken about it you know oh. so on one end we have the sh 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 and then the other end and this is all one family and then the other end you know other people are just not sharing the information and then one other of my cousins is like like me and you know we're we're talking about it and her siblings shut her off her immediate so it's just weird how it happens is it cultural is it i don't know because we all come from the same side of the family so we just all having different experiences so who knows like i said my mother is the same way she's very shut down she gets really um she she's also very like very like uh the doctor said this so i'm fine like instead of pushing the doctor you know what i mean right. mm -hmm. and I feel, like, I feel like in culture we do that like we're just like we're just content with whatever the doctor says like oh you know what it's you know it's your weight for this that's what doctors love to use um it's just your weight and you're like um no wait you gotta go check it and my mom's just like no the doctor said this and then i i've learned to do that myself it wasn't until i was diagnosed that i was like hold on i gotta start pushing the doctor back because uh -huh. I've been going to this, this doctor with my mom for years, letting him slide with so many things because we just what we do, you know? Mm. And then it's a male doctor, right? Yeah. Like how yeah. many, <laughs> you know, what are the chances that we even get to experience a female doctor in the room? Not, not to say that, that it's not likely, but let alone, you know, a black female doctor or a Puerto Rican female doctor, you know, somebody that really looks like us, that really can relate and understand what we're saying and exactly where we're coming from. Go ahead, Trish, chime in. You said you look like you were about to say something. Well, I was just thinking that like, one of the things that make us Caribbeans so great is that we're strivers, right? Like. We're coming in this country, our, our parents, our grandparents, ready to make a splash and to like accomplish great things in this culture, in this country. And so 
by the very nature of it, it's also pushing down any of the challenges, right? It's pushing down any of the things that would have you appear less than or call attention to you and like show it's a very competitive, right? You're fighting, like, it's funny that like, you're, you grew up and I'm sure, I'm, I'm gonna say this thing and I'm gonna see how it's received, but like, if you're not careful sometimes as a first gen, your greatest enemies could be your cousins and your friends because our collective respective parents are pitting us against each other. Look at this cousin, she went to law school. Look at this one, they got married with a doctor and this and this. And so like, we're all running that race and there's yep. no time to be sick. And there's no time to like have cancer and bring shame upon the family. So it's like our greatest trait, right? That we're doers and we're go-getters, but we're also don't take the moment to, um, to nurture our bodies and to respect the fact that it's illness is not attached to a shameful thing. And it's very difficult to break out of that, particularly when you're first gen trying to just appease your parents. So that's that's what I was thinking as we were speaking, because I think that's kind of the crux of a lot of that initial pushback that we get. It's like, no, you can't say you have cancer because like everybody will know. And I'm like, okay, well, where's the problem here? Well, the problem is that it's gonna look like it's like a like it's a, a strike against us. It's wow, it's mind blowing, honestly. Mm -mm, you better go make some ginger tea and sit down somewhere. You'll be fine. <laughs> I know. Let me go guzzle my sour sup. I'll be right back. Yes. <laughs> oh yes. So my question is. Um, since you went to the sour top sour stop and the ginger tea how many of you guys were ladies were told by family why would you if if you've done chemo why would you do chemo why don't you do herbs or, and and there's there's herbal medicine and there's this is what we've been taught because that's what i was i was told it was why would you put those chemicals in your body we have all these things that have been treating us for years but have we been living for years really or right. do we know what's been happening for years that's my question well to piggyback before we get there with the whole hiding and it bringing shame like i wonder how many of our family members didn't even know you know like never got treated never got to the point of a diagnosis because again Go get your sour stop and sit down. Right. You'll be fine. You work through it. You got kids to raise. You got family and you never stop. But secondly, um, that just came to mind as we were talking. I didn't get a whole lot of why do chemo, but I also got. And then when you get home from chemo, <laughs> get the ginger tea, get the sour stop, boil lemons, garlic and onion together. Absolutely. <laughs> Put some Vicks on it. It'll go. Yes. You all have Vicks at home right now. for breast cancer. It comes in a pink. It comes in a pink. You guys are going to see that in the thread. So. I got told so many things. Um, 
I definitely got the the honey garlic onion thing. I definitely got the Cersei tea in the cabinet. Um, lots of things, but I never. My mom is actually an oncology nurse, so she's been doing this for like thirty odd years. So I never. I always got like make sure you listen to the doctor, do what the doctor says. Like, so it was never a thing like question the doctor. Like, make sure that you ask him questions. Like, I did all that on my own. Um, so, yeah, I definitely got the and. Like, do what the doctor says mm-hmm. and then go home and take your sourdough. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Guayabana, like, all of that. This yeah, I definitely, I definitely got the same as well. I would say the honey, garlic, onion, turmeric. That's the that's that's the COVID remedy. I <laughs> I got the sour sup leaves and guinea hen, right? And it was shipped to me from Jamaica. <laughs> I still have a big bundle of it in the freezer. But yeah, I would say I didn't get the why are you doing chemo? I got the and you're doing chemo, but also take these things, right? I'm like, but I don't know how it would interact with the with the, the <laughs> chemotherapy and the medicines, and I, it was consistent. You need to take this. Um, so I I did strike a, a compromise where I was like, after chemo, I'll surely drink the herbal teas. <laughs> so that's what I that's what I did. Oh, I definitely got the why are you doing chemo? Like for my Wow, family. They were all like, you're going to be super skinny. You're going to be so sick. Like, what are you doing? You definitely should look into something else. Go find another doctor, you know. Um, but there's because they were used to like what, like they didn't, they don't know anything about like the newer stuff. Like again, they don't question, they don't ask, they don't talk. You know what I mean, it's just what they, what they've heard. You know what I mean? It's all about what they heard and what they've, they put. well, this so-and-so's you know, like father, mother, grandfather, whatever, you know, like the, uh, the train line, they, they they went to chemo and they died. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> whatever, you know? The exaggeration of the stories, you know how it is. I want to take us back one more, one more to what Cynthia was saying. It was like, we don't even get, right? Like, just as women, we're always, especially if we have kids and jobs and we all have that aspiration, that entrepreneur, that goal. You got to work. You got to, you got to, you got to, you got to, especially if you're a single mom. You know, we don't make time for ourselves to take care of ourselves the way we make sure we take care of everybody else. And so we don't even make it to so the true. table for diagnosis. Right. So even getting to the doctor, never mind just how you're going to treat it, like take right. 14 steps back, right? And like, right. That's the first step. The first step is actually getting other family members to the mammogram. You know, just can you just do that? Can we just just check that box for me? Like, if you love me, you want to help me go to the mammogram. Just go do that or come with me and I'll I'll go with you, you know. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's another another thing that. And I was talking with somebody else about this recently. It's it's. That's all I talk about, but um, <laughs> about making sure that like we go together, you know, and I want to make sure that I'm not pounding it in your head. But if we can make time to go get our nails done together, mm-hmm. go to brunch Absolutely. together, mm-hmm. go get our hair done together. Right. Sis, I'm scheduling my mammogram. Come with me. You know, mm-hmm. and while I'm there, let's let's get yours too. 
you know? So I, I just think that that's another thing. Go ahead, and somebody. like you said, 14 steps before that, mammogram is absolutely a must, but it's getting comfortable with touching yourself, knowing your body, not being oh, afraid yeah. to go to the doctor and whipping out on the table and be like, yo, look at this. <laughs> I feel like something might be wrong here, you know? And I'm so my dad is black American, my mom, Bayesian born, first generation. And I've been hearing for years, I'm uncouth because I whip it out, <laughs> walk around naked long before breast cancer, you know? But like, I, I don't see like my grandmother going to the doctor and being like, smash my breast between these two plates, please, you know? <laughs> And so getting, I mean, again, it's all, I think the conversation is going to keep going 14 steps before that, 14 steps before that. Like you have to get comfortable with yourself um, so that you can even begin having these conversations with your family members, with your friends to say, like, this is a team effort. Let's all be diligent about our health. Right. You're so right, Cynthia. Um, thinking about that 14 steps back, like we as a people are not comfortable with ourselves. We're not comfortable being naked. We're not comfortable saying that we have been naked, you know? Like it's always that hush, 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 don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. And I think it just stems back from, you know, being told that we as black people, as Spanish people are kind of like um, loose, you know? Like we're loose people. Like we wear this and we do that and we, you know, there's this, idea that we're promiscuous, we're loose. And I think that that stops a lot of us from going and getting what we need to get done. You know, that feeling that someone's going to judge me, right. someone's going to judge me for going and bearing my breasts, you know, and being, sen you know, sensationalized um, mm -hmm. by getting a mammogram, you know, or just sharing your story that way, too. I mean, yeah. I, I remember when I first posted my my chest, um, my grandmother called me and was just like, your brother told me he was embarrassed that you posted your, your, your body. And I'm like, I'm telling my freaking story. Like, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to hide it. If he doesn't want to look at it, he doesn't have to. I don't know who told him to look at it. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, it's very much that. It's just like, oh my God, you see what Yahira is doing on Instagram? Like, mm -hmm. it's like you know what? I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stay quiet either. You know? I actually changed my Instagram because of that reason, because Every time I would post something about my journey, I would get a call from my mom like, oh, what are you saying now? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know what? I can't deal with this. I cannot be censored by you. So mm -hmm. I changed like most of my Instagram to close friends. So and them on like family on a regular Instagram. So now I don't have to censor myself. Whenever I have something I want to say, I put it on my close friends chart because I just couldn't deal with it. I felt like trapped. Like yeah. I couldn't say anything about anything. I couldn't talk about my breast cancer. I couldn't talk about my feelings. And it was just horrible. I couldn't deal with that. My family knows not to do that shit to me. <laughs> <laughs> Let me let you know. I got a passport and it says Brooklyn, Bushwick, Canarsie, Sunset Park, Best Stuy, Clinton Hills. 
I check. I told you I check all them boxes. Don't come over here because I let you know. <laughs> I tell you English. I tell you Spanish. I tell you Spanglish, and then I'll turn around and flip the script, and I'll make up my own language, and it'll just. Okay. They don't leave my What's Melissa doing? Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, we ain't playing that. Don't 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 come for me. And on social media I have to be a little I have to tread light in because of my work. I happen to work for an elected official. Um but I'll let you know real quick my credentials if you come at me sideways. Oh yeah. And um my my family I think it's more out of respect, but they know how I am. Um, I'm, and I'm very passionate. I help a stranger in the street. You know, I'll make sure my kids get home and that they, and we'll order something for you for dinner, but I'm going back out to help that other person. Um, or if I tell that person I'm coming back. So my heart is big, but don't get it twisted. Um, Cause I'll let you know. And I, I find that very, I find that almost disappointing that anybody would come to say, oh, why are you doing this or, or question you or any of that? Because you have to have that grown up conversation at some point, especially with mommy and Bobby, you know, or your cousin yeah. or whatever. And you have to keep it real and be like, listen, this is how I'm choosing to do this. We're not doing it y'all's way no more because y'all way got us here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The way that you guys chose to address sickness and hereditary illnesses, that's what got us here. That silence, so don't silence me because it's not it's not gonna happen. You're not gonna silence me in person, you damn sure not gonna silence me in social media. So, mm -hmm. You know, so for that I would say, you know, for sure, like try to sit down and have that conversation. Maybe it's also an age thing. I'm also 52, so maybe, you know. Um, you know, my and my mom, I love my mom. She just flipped me off the other day. I was like, bye, mom. And she like, gave me the finger. I was like, okay, I love you too. You know? That's love. Yeah. <laughs> I love the Brooklyn way. And, um, oh my you know, God. but like I said, that's also my mom, you know, so that's, that's just how we are. And we're good like that. And she came with me to my first appointment. So it was, um, I think it kind of just, positioned her and helped her to see where my head was and also what my journey was going to look like. So that was important to me. And she, she did come to my very first appointment um, with the surgeon and we were all like, that's it. All right. Let, when's the appointment? Let's go. Let's do this. We're ready. And, you know, we took it from there. So I don't know how involved your, your family is with your, with your journey, like that hands-on situation. Like, is that something that you guys share with them? Like, is that something that, that you invite them to even? So for me, um, my first appointment was the first appointment I ever remember going to the doctor with both my mom and dad. So that was really cool. And um, I moved to Houston, my mom followed and my dad is back here as kind of his hometown since uh, the first time since he left after college. So they were right by my side. Um, going to doctor's appointments. Uh, mom did not go to chemo with me, but she'd be the first one to have a meal ready for me at home. You know, she got to make some homemade soup. <laughs> and so um, 
it's funny for, you know, in some ways, West Indian women will tell you any and everything. No hesitation. But they want to shut you down, but you can't shut them down. So it's... <laughs> You're so right. You're so for right. people who you can't tell them what to do, they will tell you what to do. Exactly. Um, and so my family was right here by my side, and I'm forever grateful for that. For me, it was a little difficult um, because there was a little bit of tension, I guess. One, because my dad married an American, so to them it was weird already that you've got this American mother and we're Caribbean over here and we do want things one way and she, my mom was this person that was like, I think I was eight or nine talking about my all my parts. I knew what they were called. I would tell, I would not be calling them, you know, all these other names that you can think of. Mind you, she made up some funny little names for our body parts, but I, I knew these were my breasts. That's my vagina. I knew right. that's what, what they were called. How we ever, you know, some kids are taught, you know, it's your hoo-ha and your susu and all other things like that. But I didn't have my mom around when I was diagnosed. And I think probably one of the first times I actually showed my breasts, even on um, Instagram, when people found out, because I told my family, my immediate close sisters, my dad's children, um, and uh, my first cousins, and then they saw my boobs. And my uncle said, who told you I want to open up my Facebook and see a big titty and find my... I'm like, listen, man, this is, you know who I am. You, if you don't like to see them, then stop following my page, block me off. And then he was like, you know what? I do know who you are. So after that, he was like, what else y'all doing? What, 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 what are you, what else? Do you need me to donate to something? Where, where are you going? What are you walking for? Like, that's the kind of person he became after that. My dad still is very awkward when it comes to stuff like that, because obviously seeing your, your daughter's tatas on Instagram and wherever else, which he probably doesn't even know how to get on, which my uncle does, but regardless. Look what your daughter's doing. And that's what the funny thing is. They all passed it around. It was yeah. like, please try it. There you go. It was like, that's you? I said, it sure is. And then when we did the, um, when you, we did the, when you see us, they were like, that's you sitting right Right up in the front with your titties right on out. Everyone else is covered up except for yours. And I was like, you sure right? And I'm okay with it. I said, and you got to be okay with it too, because this is part of me. And I said, I'm not going to be ashamed of what, uh, you know, has happened to me. And I said, I'm speaking about it. One, because now even my niece and nephew are like, my TT had cancer and she talks about it. And if you ask them things about me, they're like, she, she talks about breast cancer. She's she. I think she's an ambassador of some sort. She wears pink all the time. Like they don't know all the right things to say, but they're saying enough that they're getting it. And I think that's where the next step is going. Where they, at least they're getting it. Even my little cousins that I call my niece and nephews too. I um, mean my nephews too that are my cousins' sons. A lot of twins in the family. So the set of twins that call me auntie too. And they're like, yeah, my auntie had breast cancer, but she's okay. And then they'll go like, they'll, that's how they introduce me to people. <laughs> like, so, but do like, you realize that by you 
being that we aren't having those conversations, you're setting them up different from the way you were set up. Absolutely. They're comfortable Absolutely. with the conversation. They're going to start to understand what cancer and That's breast cancer is. They're going to know mm-hmm. it's in their family in some way, shape, or form. Uh-huh. So that that's an impact and a, a making a difference right there for the next generation. It's part of the educator in me. I can't help it. Like even when I was teaching about it and not having breast cancer, these kids used to look at me like, "Why are you telling me about breasts and and that, all this stuff? And we don't want to know this. This is not us." And I'm like, "Yes, it is." Don't think just because you're you're black or you're you're Latino, you don't get these things. We may, right. you may not know someone right. or your history may not show it yet, but there may be someone back there that you know, don't know what happened. Your, your cousin, your auntie, your, your great grandma, she may have passed away and they tell you, oh, she just passed away. We don't know why. Mm-hmm. Mostly when you didn't know why. Mm-hmm. Cancer. Yep. And Shani, you know what? Um, it just reminded me, like when I got diagnosed and I called my sister, you know, um, and we were talking about how we were going to tell her children because her, my nieces are uh, now 11 and 9, um, 11 and, and 7. And um, I had to tell them, listen, it's like, because right away they were afraid and they thought I was going to die. And they started crying. I was like, whoa, 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 why, why are we crying? Well, we're not crying. We're not doing the crying game. We're not crying. You're going to listen and I'm going to explain to you. But in the way, and I knew in a way that you could understand. And so what I said was, I said, you ever went to the dentist? And we knew the answer, right? But you ever went to the dentist? You ever had to, you ever had to get a, a cavity filled and they drilled it? Well, that's what's happening in my boob. I have, it's like I have a cavity in my boob and the dentist is going to come and they're going to drill it and they're going to take out the cavity and then they're going to close it up and they're going to pack it up and they're going to close it up and then we're going to they has to be on medicine you know for a long for a long time after that but then i got to keep going back and make sure that the cavity doesn't come back so i have to take care of myself i have to eat right i have to be healthy and so now that's what you got to do too you know and so the same way you take care of your teeth you got to take care of your body because you could get a cavity you know and so then they got it and then they were like oh Oh, so you're going to be okay? And I was like, for now, yeah, as long as I keep taking care of myself. And then they got it, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's not just like telling them, it's telling them in a way that eases them, you know, and levels them out. And and that was the, and boy, man, I I wasn't even ready with that when when they started crying. But that came out of my ass and I was just like, oh, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. How do I how do I say it in a way that they can get it? But that that was it, and it, and it worked. And they were just like, okay, bye, because <laughs> it did a video thing. They were like, bye, and that was it. Finished. Melissa, you're like reminded me of all my aunts. I feel like we're Caribbean people are just great storytellers. <laughs> like you know, we're just great storytellers. Like I don't know. Um, so sorry. How just I get those auntie vibes. I get those Titi Melissa vibes. <laughs> <laughs> you do. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was a thing. Um, outside of kids, you know, it's so far it's just been um, trying to keep folks abreast what's going on and let them know. Oh, le- and letting them know that. Listen, I had a friend ask me, "Well, when did we know that you're cancer free?" And I right. said, when I die of natural causes. Because <laughs> that shit could come back. <laughs> That's a good answer. 
you know, absolutely the 100% answer right there. And I'm, so, I'm gonna, I'm gonna remind, remember that one too. Sure. Say that. And so it was like, it was, it was like um, the the reality of listen. There's there's no test. There's no. You just don't know if it's gonna come back again. Mm-hmm. And and the long term stuff, right? So like being on it because they think, oh, you get on, a, you have surgery and then you're done. And then that's it. Yes. Oh, you have radiation, you have chemo, and then you're done. You I lose see. your hair, grows back, and then you're done. No, mm-hmm. it's it's forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, for me, it's literally forever, right? Yeah. Because I'm metastatic now. Like, yeah. I can't tell you how many people have asked me. So when are you done? Mm-hmm. So when are you done? So when are you done? And I have to keep saying when I die. Like, <laughs> like I'm, I'm never gonna be done, guys. I'm never gonna be done. I'm gonna be taking medicine yeah. in some form right. for the rest of my life. But it, it just goes to show how people still imagine cancer to be as some one and done kind of thing where you like go in, you get your mastectomy, you get your new boobs, and you're out and you never have to think about it again. But that is so so untrue well i think that's part of that that. right that part of we don't talk about it so you don't have a clue what to experience and i think even in the breast cancer space as we well know we don't always get the unedited hey your clit can shrink up and your vagina can close in on itself conversations (laughs) that really (laughs) need to be had because then you find out the hard way close up on itself yes. you know? and, like completely disappear i know like, <laughs> my end, she's just like you are so tight and i'm like like i know like i know <laughs> help me help me <laughs> like, so you can imagine if we if we feel funny saying oh i got a little lump over here or the skin on my breast is weird imagine saying hey my vagina hasn't been moist for months like <laughs> yeah we have to have these conversations yeah so or right. how about the fact that you actually see something that normally would arouse you and you're just like <laughs> you don't have the, like I've I've literally been watching something that was so sexual and it wasn't like a porno or anything like that but I was like normally something else should have been like ting, 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 and I was right. like I said I said to one like of my this. friends who I normally will talk to have this conversation with and I said to him another Caribbean man I said something's going on down there it's not the same and he was like <laughs> what do you mean I said I watched something sexual and I didn't feel a thing. And he was like, what's going on? Is that part of that too? And I said, right. yeah. He's like, what can we do? I said, I don't know. That's just to me. Right. Even when you talk to your doctors about it, it's like almost like, hold on. Oh, what I, do you want me to do? I, I don't really know how to answer that. Uh, I'll they don't even want to go there. No. No, it's like, I'm like, oh there. my God. They're yeah, like, uh... Know. Yeah. Uh, here's some lube. Lube? Yes. Lube is the yeah. favorite job. It's like, here's lube. <laughs> here's, my funny, um, here's my funny little story, right? I've I've been I've been abstinent like forever. And so but my stuff still works. She's busy. She does things. Okay. 
She out there in the streets. <laughs> but um, we keep her busy. And so, <laughs> and so when they put me on the tamoxifen and she started shutting down, I started wigging out. Plus, I was entering like this. I never get sick. I haven't been sick since 1997. I've only had the flu, the works. And then when everything started happening, I went back to my, um, I went back to my oncologist, and my oncologist was like, "Yeah, we'll we'll scale back the med- the medication, whatever." I never got back on it. They put me on a nasal later. Fine, but in the interim. <laughs> I was so stressed out about my vagina. <laughs> so I get on this this group therapy situation. And there are all these women, God bless them, talking about, you know, vomiting and the hair's falling out and they're going back in and they're 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 what is that? The margins. Port, the port. Um mm-hmm. they're talking about all these things and then they were like, and Melissa. Welcome to the group. What's the matter? And I'm like, my vagina. (laughs) (laughs) I was off the charts. I was like, I don't know, but my vagina is not working. (laughs) Melissa, can you just pause pause that thought? I think this topic is bringing on a hot flash for the whole group. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody got the fan out. Everybody got a fan out. Like, no, like, and I'm not scared. Like, again, go on Instagram, you're going to see titties, you're going to see the whole nine, but God forbid my Google search history get out. Like, broken vagina, vagina is dry, vagina shutting down on itself. Like, what can you take? You know? Literally, during my first my first uh, round of chemo, whatever, like before I was med static, like, I don't know if it was like, it had to have been the chemo, but I'm sitting there, you know, chilling on the couch and I'm like touching, feeling things around. And literally like my clitoris just went, like it was just so sad. Like it kind of receded into itself, and no, no matter how much rubbing you do, right? It was not. It was not. It was not like you know the word I'm looking for, y'all. It's this damn chemo. It brain. wasn't standing up. It wasn't, it wasn't standing up. It was not engorged. It was not. It was Nothing not. Was happening. Yeah. It was not responsive. Nothing. Nothing. Ignoring you. Nada. After all the attention you've given it all this year, you have the nerve. Thank you. To all not these be years. Thank you. Oh, so, yeah. Because I even have a story. So, the same person who was, I was having this conversation with now that you said that, Sandra, he's like, just rub one out real quick. And I'm like, okay. So, I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, here we go. Here we go. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's an hour past. And I'm like, what the what is going on? There's not like, I don't feel anything. I'm like, I'm hurting my hand. My skin is just being chafed. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> not even like a, I didn't even feel like a tingle. Like, right? I didn't feel like I even was like, even halfway near something that would feel good. I was like, I oh just got to stop God. this because this is just damage. Not even. Right. 
anything. Am I hurting myself? Right. Am I going to go blind? No. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys are so I know, if you guys if you guys thought that if you guys thought that the cancer topic was taboo for Caribbean for people of Caribbean background, what about touching yourself and talking oh. about <laughs> I mean we don't have a energy for this though and we gotta cure <laughs> Throw some sour sap on it. Maybe mix will help. You'll get some tingle from the VIX. You would definitely get some something yeah. from the <laughs> Like for sure, for sure. It won't be a sure. good stuff though. <laughs> it might burn the hell out of you though. Oh gosh. Oh, my um to reel it back in, I wanted to ask you guys something. So um is there like I feel like we we we're been we're as like Caribbean women we've been told to be tough like keep going like yeah especially when you're diagnosed you're like you have to keep doing it all and uh, I it was my first time like I kind of fought that and I you know how it's like very you you talk to people and they're like diagnosed and they're like oh I did it they they say it proudly like they I did it all like I I still worked. 40 at 50 hours a week. I did this and I did that and I did that, especially Hispanic women and black women. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They, we, we, like, we took care of the kids. We did all that. And, I climbed um, a mountain. Right. <laughs> and I said no to all that. I like was like, nope, I'm not working. I refused to work. I literally just stayed home. And part of me was like, it was like a, it's, it was still a wrestling match for me too. Like uh, in my brain, like I would to some days I'd feel so shitty about it. And other days I'd be like, you know what? I deserve this. Like I need to be, home. but I just wanted to know what you guys thoughts on that, on that. Cause I know that's as Caribbean women, we, we were, were taught to be like, do it all. I mean, my, my mind and my heart thought that I could do it all. I was like, I got this. I'm going to work. I'm going to be fine. And after the first two and a half months, I physically, I couldn't do it. Right. And from, and this was when I started chemotherapy. And I was like, what, what the heck was I thinking? I literally had to give in and succumb to what was being, you know, the, the treatment. And after the physical, um, me losing the physical battle, then I had to deal with the mental side of it and the emotional side of it. So eventually I just gave in wholeheartedly to the, to the treatment and the, to the experience of going through um, cancer and allowing myself to, giving myself grace. But it took me a while to get there. After you like done, after you were done with their active treatment, mm-hmm. did you go straight back to work and stuff like that, like fast, or did it take it time? I went back to work before I was done active treatment. Yeah. Um, oh. I went back to work before radiation, but after my double mastectomy, 
and again I thought I had it and then radiation came three weeks in I was good going to work going to my radiation treatments and then the radiation itself which my doctor warned me zaps your energy you're exhausted and so I had to go on medical leave again um, because Mm -hmm. of that but I think I think you did the right thing, Yahira. It was just me fighting my own battle around, again, that's stereotypical, you know. But, I mean, some people yeah. do this stuff, and it's like a distraction to them, and I yeah. totally understand that. But I just feel like as, as Caribbean women, we feel like we have to do it. You yep. know what I mean? It's different. Yep. It's like yeah. a, a whole I mean, and that's, that's how I felt. I was in a, a good place in my career. Going back to this first-generation probably curse right first generation we have to deal with a lot of things we're the first generation who are advocating right we're the first gener- yeah we are the yeah, first so generation privileged. that are probably privileged in some aspects we're the first generation that's trying to find out about our family history and do genetic testing and first generation going to college and you know creating generational wealth and like we have to deal with a lot so it was i carried all of that with me i was in a good place in my career going up the corporate ladder and then cancer happened cancer ruined my plans right i'm first generation went to college and all of that so all of that burden was was on me like this is not going to stop me now i have to keep going hmm. how do you do with that sandra oh how my gosh yeah. well i still was doing like mommy duties when i had um chemo the first time around um wholeheartedly doing it but it's kind of what i needed to keep going you know people always tell you you know, what's your thing? What keeps you going during treatment? And for me, it was like being a mom and taking care of my kids. Um, This time around, now that I'm metastatic and I'm going to some kind of treatment, you know, twice a week, twice, you know, two weeks on, one week off, and I'll be doing it like forever. um, This time around, I have learned to ask for help and to not be ashamed of having to say to my husband, I got to take a nap. Like, it's a little too much for me now. Can you put the kids to bed for me? Can you make their dinner? You know, asking my my mother-in-law to take them for a weekend or, you know, asking my mom to, can we come and visit you because I need a little break. I, I have to, like, surrender. I definitely have to surrender to those, those feelings of guilt. Um, I definitely have a strong sense of guilt because my husband handles everything like he's the sole breadwinner you know he does all of that stuff and even though I have a degree I have my social work license I can't do anything right now you know cancer is my life um, and I have to find ways to work you know you use I used to work cancer around my life and now I have to work my life around the cancer um, because I'm metastatic so can yeah, I say something to you, Sandra? I I really believe in like the power of words. And I remember mm-hmm. when I was a kid, my father took out this book, and that, that if I'm not mistaken, that literally was the name of the book was um, words word power. The word mm-hmm. words have power, or something like that. And when you say you know you you're surrendering to it, but when not to uh, okay. not to the cancer, not to the cancer. Surrendering to help. Surrendering to help. 
you know, I, I if the word surrender for me is almost like, like giving in, right? Like Ooh. by definition, right? And so I, I would for you, because for me it's 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 a must. Um turn that inside out a little bit, you know, and, and not even in a give myself grace situation. I'm I'm demanding. I like I'm I'm how do how do I didn't even, I can't even find the words right now it's, and it's not brain fog it's just I think I'm just getting old but <laughs> um, like how do, how do you turn that into a way that's more empowering like I'm granting myself the the permission or I'm giving myself the the needed rest like right right you know that what is that I'm taking what it should self-care mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know yeah. like more more in that more in that arena and less less surrender less mm -hmm. less moments where we feel less than you right. know i'm giving my i'm giving i'm gifting myself a nap i'm yes. gifting myself you know these things and don't I, I don't want to say surrender. I want to say like I'm I'm gifting myself. I'm I'm deserving of this shit. I've been busting my yeah. balls for a long time. I'm going You're to bed. Right. You're right. You know, tired. Put yourself first. Put yourself first. We don't know how exactly. to do that. Yeah, and I think Melissa, that's part of the 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 growth, right? Because having gone through what I've gone through and the comments I made just now, I am there in what you're saying. Right, I, I turned it on the head. Now, I put me first, my self care first. I give myself, allow myself, not even give myself permission. I allow myself to to take things and do things, and um, you know, take the rest when it's needed, and pause when it's needed, and and do all of that. So I think for me, it was more of a a stage of growth, and I'm and, and I'm there now. So I totally hear what you're saying. Yeah. And and yet, well, forgive me, Yahira. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, just back to your your thing about like how how did this impact you like work wise or like you know after being that bionic woman doing it all Wonder Woman type situation. I work for one of the most well. I work for for one of the longest serving woman in Congress. And, um, you know, I, I came back to work for, uh, for a, a luncheon, a staff luncheon. I had, uh, I finished my radiation in September and then I, yeah, I was ready to go back to work in October. And then the medicine acted up and then I fell back in November and then I got back on leave and then I came back for the luncheon and then I was pulled to this, you know, as soon as I walked in the room, I wasn't even like pulled to the side. As soon as I walked into the room, I was met with, uh, it's time to come back home. And my, like my head just kind of spun around with that because I was like, it's time to come back home. Like, do you, don't come, first of all, <laughs> I already told y'all, right? So I was real quick. I was like, I, "This work though," but so I was like, I, I I remember looking and saying, "We we thinking to myself, we're gonna have to have that conversation." And so I sat down, had the lunch, and then had to sit down and be like, "Listen, 
I need you to understand something. Like, because then she says to me, between us, she says something about a friend of hers who had gone through treatment and then she was fine and she was back to it. And I said, well, good for your friend. Good. That's great. That's not happening here. I'm on medication and it's fucking with me. And it's not okay. And I'm not okay. And I'm not coming back, you know? And it was, it, it had to be that real conversation. Like, I don't know that you realize the magnitude of what I'm dealing with here. I didn't, I didn't have a cavity. I didn't just go to the doctor, you know, and, and, and have my appendix removed. And I'm on long, this is a long-term situation. And so it was, it was a, it was a reality check for other people, including myself, but it was a reality check about how much I have been working at 300% and what a blessing it was to kind of fall back into, oh, this is what everybody else is doing like day to day. Like this is, this is what y'all think is a (laughs) hundred. I could do this with my eyes closed. It was great. I was loving it. But, but now it's very different, like coming back into the work arena and, um, and juggling all the stuff that we tend to juggle and just saying, yeah, no, I ain't doing that. I, I clocked out already. I'm, you know, it's not happening and telling people no and another thing that i i started doing was listen if i can't say yes to myself three times first i always have to say no to you i have to say yes to my boy you come and you ask me for something if i can't say yes to myself three times first the answer is no but i don't have time for myself that's that's my new fix it me first, three times, then you. So that's my answer. Trish, you quiet over there sitting in the sun. Bad. <laughs> so, so beautiful. I know, right? You look like a picture. No, well, I was thinking, like, because my, my story is a little different as far as, like, right after um, or going through treatment because I was diagnosed two years after my son. So, like, our family went through cancer and so by the time I was diagnosed it wasn't our first cancer diagnosis it probably would have been different if I was first um but I will say building on what y'all were talking about was post-active treatment this embracing rest and embracing prioritizing myself and my joy and stuff it's definitely going against what how i've been raised in my dna like i probably for the first couple years of my life until i was 20 thought my first name was levy because like my mom would tell all us kids levy 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 that means like get up get up get up get up get the day started like i'm eight seven a.m on on saturday you know but but it's like you got so many hours a day we have to be productive like Life is about productivity, right? So it's like live, 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 and so um, I used to think a little bit like you, Sandria, like you know, let me surrender and like you know, be lazy for a day. And now I don't even laziness doesn't exist to me because for me, um, rest has has now become um, it's a birthright. 
it's a requirement. It's like something that I need to make sure I carve out, not feel like, oh, damn, I didn't do anything today. Like, I, mm -mm, I'm trying, it's work to keep telling myself, like, because I didn't do anything today, I wasn't productive today. That means it wasn't a good day. But isn't it like a recharge? Isn't it like a empowerment? Isn't it, isn't it like, like I need this so that I can? Yeah. No, I don't know. I'm hearing like a feedback. Is it me? Yeah, I'm hearing it too. I don't know what it was. You hear it? Oh, it's a little bit better now. Yeah. No, yeah. It's, it's a, it's a necessity. It really is like forced to do it during treatment when like everybody's out there living their best lives and you're just, you can't even get up off the bed. Like going to the bathroom is like the biggest task that you could do in the day. So, um, right. So it's so hard, but then now being on the other side, I'm like, I have this energy and I should do something because like, that's how I was raised. And like, it's already the day it's, it's already 9 a.m. That's what I would hear. Like, mm -hmm. oh, it's already nine. The day is almost over. Live it, live it, live it, live it, live it. It's like, no, <laughs> I'm going back to bed. Everything can wait. Everything can wait because I need that recharge in order to, you know, get up and get moving the next day. Or even if I, I want to sleep again the next day. That's right. my right, you know, but it's not easy because that is not how I was raised. And even now, if I get a call from my mom at 10 o'clock and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm still my PJ. Oh, oh. <laughs> and she'll say, and I'll translate after. She'll be like, oh, oh, bon, what fell, yeah? Oh, oh, just, just, It's like, oh, you are just going to like spend the day in your bed? I'm like, maybe. <laughs> what is with our moms? Oh, my God. I know. It's all of them. Really, it's all of them. It's I, and yep. that's how they were raised. They were mm -hmm. raised like get up, get going, serve everyone, give everyone breakfast. Like mm -hmm. I've seen my mom, and I'm sure uh, she's not the only one that like will cook everyone food. Everybody's sitting on the table, and she's eating three spoons from the pot. And I'm like, yep. why don't you come yep. sit on the table? No, exactly. no, I'm good over here. It's like so you grew <laughs> up with that, like eating mm -hmm. right. pot while every while everyone else is sitting comfortably. And I'm trying really hard to not let that be my legacy, right? I don't mm -hmm. want to continue in that pattern of like putting myself last. Yeah. But it ain't easy. It ain't. I mean, your Summer of George thing, that's that's you keeping busy. I love that so much because I do this. I mean, I try to do this. That's what we need to do. We, we need to, it, it shouldn't yep. have taken a, 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 a life, like trauma. It shouldn't have taken this crisis of life for us to have mm -hmm. our come to Jesus moment. So but it's what I'm using as my card, like get out of jail card with the family. <laughs> when they say, Levy, Levy, I'm like, well, but cancer. And they're like, all right. Leave her alone. That's a good one. Use the cancer card. Definitely. Oh, never mind. I don't use the cancer card too much with the public. I use it for my family, <laughs> for my culture. So I can. Yeah, that is the one thing my mother understands. You know, I'm having a horrible pain day, mom. Oh, sky's the limit. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Well, ladies, this has been an amazing conversation. I have a few requests from each of you. And so, one, what is your favorite Caribbean food? Two, what are your closing words? 
I'm going to put it in the chat because we all got the chemo brain. And three, where on the socials can our guests find you if they want to follow you and hear more from you? And Yahaira, you can go first. Okay, so hold on. What's my favorite curry? I mean, you can't go wrong with rice and beans, but um, hold on. Chuletas. I love myself some pork chops. <laughs> so chuletas. And then what was the other question? Sorry. Closing <laughs> like, words. Like, I, I was going, what was it? It's closing words. <laughs> and then we're on your socials. Um, yeah, this was this was a, a really great I'm glad to be able to relate and connect and and bond with you guys all. This is um I enjoyed it very much. And my social is at ya dot h i dot r a on Instagram. Great. Anybody can go next. Um, I'll go. Um, my closing words, um, I would say use this opportunity to talk to your family members in, you know, a very open way. We all need to do it in the, in the Caribbean, in our Caribbean family. So I'd say if you're listening to this podcast right now, use the opportunity to have those conversations that you might have, you might be afraid to have. Um, my favorite Caribbean food hands down has got to be oxtail and rice and peas. <laughs> I love me some oxtail. I love me some rice and peas. Um, and my social media, you can find me at, at Thriver Gal. That's at T-H-R-I-V-E-R-G-A-L. And I look forward to seeing you on there. I'll jump in. Um, so my favorite food that I never get to eat is octopus salad. So delicious. Oh my God. Um, but absolutely my favorite. Um, my closing words are, and again, this is something that I shared with somebody recently. You know, I, I hate the saying, oh, God never gives you more than you can get through, whatever. Um, but I, I, I get it. But at the same time, my only ask from anybody within earshot is that if you have somebody that you love, no matter whether they're your sister, your brother, not your sister, your brother, but like your sister, your aunts, you know, any female in your life, please just encourage them to go get their mammogram. You know, take them, talk to them. This can't be the secret anymore. We can't do this anymore. And we have to support each other. And the second that you find yourself making plans with your good girlfriend to go get your nails done, to go do anything together, remember to ask her, hey, Let's go get our mammogram together. Or when are you getting yours so I can go with you? Um, because I think that a lot of times the, 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 the biggest leap is getting over that fear, you know? And if we can have somebody there to hold our hand through it, then, then we're halfway there, you know? Um, and then um, I'm that vieja on Facebook that I be like, you know, on the Facebook, you know? <laughs> I, I have an account on Instagram. I have a Twitter handle. I don't use it. So you can find me on Facebook. <laughs> That's all I got. 
for now, but we're gonna transition into other arenas later. That's all I got. Thank <laughs> Favorite food since Andrea took stewed oxtails, which I absolutely <laughs> love. I'm gonna defer to curried goat. Mm. Uh, yes, <laughs> good curry goat. Yes. Um, closing words. I would say, going back to advocacy, going back to the point made around you know accepting what the doctor says, going back to not knowing how to ask for help. I would say that we have to be. I would encourage others to be more vocal and really advocate for themselves more. Um, empower yourselves by doing the work, doing the research, educating yourself. But even even educating yourself, you need to you need to speak. You need to be vocal. You need to reach out and ask for help in order to learn other stories and what they've gone through, which can help you in your situation. So that would be my my message really advocate for yourself speak up ask for help be vulnerable um yeah and it, it would take you far you would be surprised um how far that would take you and my social media handle is mila night sings mila m-i-l-a night with a k k-n-i-g-h-t sings s-i-n-g-s all right, this is Trish. Uh, favorite food? I think it would have to be, we call it for short, black rice. It's the dried mushroom black rice with grillo and just a dash of pickles, which is like pickled onions and stuff. Woo! That's a winner. So that's my favorite. Oh, and banan, which is the fried plantains. So that's a complete meal. Um, <laughs> closing words. I guess two, one I'll say in English and the other in Creole. The English um, closing word would be, be the generation that creates change, right? If you're gonna be that wild cousin, oh, that girl, that cousin, that's the cousin that like burned it all down, right? And like changed it for everyone coming behind. Be that one in the family, cause you, it, we will all be served when that happens, when there's no secrets, when there's no shame, when things are discussed openly and freely um, without criticisms. And the second I would say on Creole, ma dit tout famim haïtien dehors, que c'est vipao pour faire n'importe ça ou vle ou pas besoin occuper personne moun kap di ou ke ou pas ka fel, c'est pour fel même, mais si c'te pour fel. No translation. Just leave it there. Drop the mic. And if you're looking for more tips and tricks <laughs> and inspiration of that sort, and me yelling at you, you can find me at Trish, T-R-I-S-H underscore New York City spelled out. Well, I have a ton of favorites, but tonight I am craving salt fish and bakes. And um, my closing words are just thank you, ladies. I thank you for making space, holding space, and being part of this crew that is going to change the stigma. And um, being candid, being open about your journeys, and um, just sharing your stories, like um, most of us have said, changes lives. 
and I'm um, eager to see that change happen, and I'm happy to be a part of it with you all. I can be found on Instagram at Sincerity, C-Y-N-S-E-R-I-T-Y. And that's going to close out our show. We thank you for listening and for tuning in tonight. Um, subscribe to Baddie to Baddie wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, all of them, we're there. And, of course, you can always check for us at breastofus.com and on Instagram at For the Breast of Us. And so it has been a wonderful evening. And once again, thank you, ladies. And that closes us out. Closes us out. This is another Batty Creation brought to you by For the Rest of Us. Don't forget to subscribe to Batty to Batty wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at For the Rest of Us, on Twitter at The Breast of Us, and check us out online at breastofus.com. Thanks for listening.